Okay, let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to Philippians and chapter number one is where we're going to start. If you'll stand in honor of God's word here this evening, and then we're going to go right into chapter number two. And the first four verses of chapter two is actually our text here tonight, our series entitled Countered by Joy. The uh, circumstances of life should not determine the level of your joy. It's rather our relationship with Christ that helps us to have joy regardless of our circumstances. And so Paul's really trying to help this church and the Word of God will help us tonight if we'll receive it. So let's look at it here tonight in Philippians chapter 1 and verse number 27. If you'll find your place there, Philippians 1 and verse 27. All right, if you're there, say amen. amen. All right, good. That's a good number. All right, verse number 27, only let your conversation... Be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving, what's the next word? Together, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And then he says in verse 28, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Paul writes, fulfill ye my joy that ye may be like-minded. Notice all the emphasis on unity here as you read along. That ye may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. I mean, think that, that would do a lot of good right there. Amen. If each would just esteem other better than themselves. Then verse four, look, not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of what? Others, all right? Every man also on the things of others. And then he says, verse 5, and we'll, we'll just read that and, and pause, but it says, uh, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so then he's going to go into explaining the mind of Christ, who certainly had his mind on others, all right? On others. So um, tonight, Kind of a follow-up to last time we were in the book of Philippians. Last time we considered it, and this was the title. Let's get it together before the world tears us apart. Tonight, uh, just a little uh, play off of that title. Let's get it together before we tear each other apart. All right? So on one hand, in the verses we consider in chapter 1, we got to get it together before the world tears us apart. But now let's get it together before we tear each other apart. All right? So may God bless the reading of His Word as you're seated We'll consider, I think, a very important passage here in this book of Philippians. Okay, I want you to imagine something with me here just a moment as we get started. All right, imagine, imagine that you're going to uh, meet who you hope will be your fiancé someday. 
her family for the very first time. You arrive at uh, their address and I mean, you hear some commotion going on on the inside. Next thing you know, you see the door fly open and you see clothes being thrown out and furniture being thrown out and books being thrown out and other stuff being thrown out and you hear yelling and fighting and carrying on and you're about to meet her family. What do you think? Yeah, yikes. Yikes, Brother Garth says. All right, how about this? Uh, you're dropping your young person off uh, at college for the very first time. And I mean, you pull up there at the doors, at the dorm, and it's, it's pretty sketch. And, uh, and I mean, there's, there's some fighting that's going on. I mean, there's evidence of gang fighting going on and all this that's taking place. This is not Heartland Baptist Bible College. You don't think that way. And, uh, man, you, you pull up there and I mean, it's, it's rough. I mean, there, again, there's yelling, the police are showing up and you're dropping your daughter off for school. What do you think? <laughs> no, we're getting in the car and going home, right? Dropping your kid off for peewee baseball. First time, you know, for him to play peewee baseball. He's five years old. So excited. He's got his glove. He doesn't know how to use it yet, but he's excited about that. The bat's about as big as he is. And, and you pull up, man, I, I mean to tell you, the, the coaches are yelling at the kids and the kids are throwing dirt at one another. And there's all this big skirmish going on. And you're saying, okay, son, come on, get in there. There's something about that that's, that you're thinking, I'm not dropping my kid off here. I'm not dropping my young person off here. I'm not marrying into that family. Why? There's fighting going on. There's, there's a part of you that says, why would I want to be a part of something like that? Now, I realize, you know, uh, your possible future fiance, maybe she's different. I trust that she would be. But you ought to be mindful. Man, that's her family. Uh, I wonder if that's how she is. You know, and I, I, hey, God can change people. I get that. But, I, but you get the impression, man, there's cause for pause here, right? Okay. So somebody comes to church for the first time. And they walk in the doors and there's a fight going on out in the foyer. I mean, one family's just yelling at another family and they come on into the auditorium and there's, there's a coldness in there. Nobody's singing. Everybody's arms are crossed. People are upset with one another and, and the preacher's mad at everybody. The song leader's mad at everybody because they won't sing. I mean, it's just, it's a total dis, in disarray and disunity. What makes you think, man, I want to be a part of this. This is awesome right here. But it's totally different when you walk in here and there's smiles on faces and it's genuine. And there's a friendliness and there's unity that's there. And you see people talking and, and you, uh, you stay around after the service and people are still here like 45 minutes later to an hour later just because there's some good fellowship that's going on. It's not like they don't have anything to do, but this is just our family and you're glad to be there. I'm telling you, that's what will draw people in. And Paul is concerned about this church here in Philippi because, listen, because it's not like they're in a big fight. They're not. There's, I mean, there's some skirmishes going on, but it's not like it's, it's an all out, you know, big, big problem. But the best time to take care of some of those times and or issues rather is when it's isolated. And so Paul is concerned about, about this, uh, this church family because he knows, just like we heard a moment ago, Brother Bishop was saying to us, you know, there's going to be some pressure from the outside and it's getting much more challenging to be a Christian in this day and time. And, and so uh, we're going to have a battle on the outside. We sure don't want a battle on the inside. 
And so Paul is trying to help them to stand together and, and, and to be unified. You know, truly, church, Christ deserves that. The fact that he paid such a price for us to be saved and to bring us into this church family, I mean, he deserves the type of unity that, that I believe we want and desire uh, to have. Now, uh, he's using the analogy of a citizenship. And, uh, you know, sometimes uh, somebody maybe that is an American in another country can give America, give people in, in that country a bad taste of America. You, you know what I mean? Oh, you Americans, right? Well, wait, wait, wait a minute. We're not all the same, right? But, you know, in the eyes of those that are on the outside looking in, they say, hey, all of you Americans are the same, you know? And that's not fair, but it is reality. Now, here, here's the point that we need to consider. I need to be careful what kind of Christian I am. I need to be careful about that because others are going to judge the whole uh, idea and world of Christianity based on how I am at work or where you are or this church and so forth. We need to really consider that. I, I just saw, I read in World Magazine here, just the most recent edition uh, that a young lady named Gwen Berry in the U S Olympic uh, qualifying up in Eugene, Oregon. She, she won third in uh, in a certain event and she, listen, she's on the podium and, and the national anthem is being played and the other two, the first place winner and the second place winner, their, heart, their hand is on their heart and they're facing the flag. But this third place contestant, her hand is on her hip and she's looking away. And, and, and I thought, my soul, wait a minute, this is the country that gave you the opportunity to compete, made it possible for you to compete and you're gonna stand up there like this? It gives you the impression Impression, I don't even like my country. Well, why are you competing? Why are you there? Let me have a shot at it. <laughs> but you know, sometimes, um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just talking to us as a church family here tonight. Sometimes if, if we're not careful, our attitude can be like this. <sighs> Man, another, another preacher. I mean, we get two preachers tonight? Good night. No, wait a minute, it's this way. We get two preachers tonight. And, and you get to hear the Bible preached. You get to sing. And I know that's our attitude and, and most attitude. But, but listen, how many, how many people that are lost are turned off by Christians that seem like they don't even like Christianity? That's what Paul is dealing with. He's saying, let your conversation be as it becometh. Becometh the gospel. Let it be befitting. It ought to fit who you are in Christ. And that you stand together, not stand against one another and, and fighting for who's right or who's got the best idea or this or that. I mean, just skirmishing, you know, I mean, we need to stand for doctrine. Listen, we're not saying here for one second that, that doctrine doesn't matter. No, doctrine matters. Paul is saying that. So we're not saying, you know, let's, let's cast our doctrinal differences aside. No, we don't do that because God never taught us to do that. But when we are in Christ, he helps us to stand together. Stand together, stand fast, he says, and not be a turnoff to people. Listen to this quote by Warren Wiersbe. He said, the most important weapon against the enemy is not a stirring sermon or a powerful book. Here it is. It is a consistent life of a believer. That is the most effective weapon. Somebody that is real, somebody that is genuine, somebody that is living the Christian life in a, in a, in a, in a godly way, they're not perfect. And here's the good thing. They know they're not. They know they're not. They know that they need help. 
And so Paul is exhorting the, the Christians here, the believers in Philippi, whether he's there or not, because our, our Christianity shouldn't be based on who's there. It ought to be based on who Christ is. And so he says, uh, he says to them that you ought to stand together, striving together for the faith of the gospel to preserve the faith, but also to see people saved and nothing intimidated, nothing terrified, but to have an impact on society. And then he's moving into chapter two, basically to do this, how to have an impact and how to have unity within the church. How many of you agree with this? We tend to struggle with selfishness. Anybody here struggle with selfishness and pride? Yeah, I think we all do. Read it, heard about a young boy, well, two kids that, I mean, they were fighting over the last pancakes. Your, your, your kids ever do that? You know, Kevin was age four and, and his little brother was age two and they both wanted that last pancake and, his, and their mom explained. Now listen, Jesus would let his brother have the last pancake. Kevin said to his little brother, you be Jesus. That way I get the pancake, right? Mom was teaching her son, you know, we're in this world to help others. He said, well, what are others here in the world to do? <laughs> well, we're supposed to help one another, but we struggle there. And the people in the church of Philippi, no different than us, we, we struggle there. We're not perfect, but I, I believe we have a goal as a church, don't we? to have good unity among our brothers and sisters in Christ and for people to walk in here and to see, you know, they really do love one another. They really do love the Lord. They really do love the Lord and they really do love people. That ought to be our testimony. Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples by your great preaching. Is that what he said? By your great singing. By your great services. No, he said this. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have what? love one for another, all right? And Paul is, is emphasizing that. Listen to this. Paul had already seen firsthand what selfishness does and pride does to a, a church family. He'd already saw it in Jerusalem and how it was tearing that church apart. The church in Jerusalem, and they were fighting over doctrine and, and he's trying to help them there. He experienced it firsthand how that um, he and Barnabas, they butted heads. And I want to thank God. I believe they worked that out. At least Paul recognized the value of John Mark and said, bring him to me. He's profitable to me. And so he humbled himself there. And so Paul himself struggled with it. Paul is writing from Rome and in Rome, they're having a struggle there. And it's due to pride and selfishness that was affecting the church. And so Paul is writing here and, and he's showing the source of their unity, the basis for their unity. I want you to look at it, if you would, in, in chapter two and verse number one. He says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ. So he, he had just spoke to them about suffering in Christ. The word consolation means this, encouragement. If there's suffering in Christ, don't you know that Christ is also going to encourage you? He's going to help you. I'm telling you folks, listen, tonight we have the greatest source of encouragement in the world because of who the Lord Jesus is. He is our source of encouragement. He says, and he's not asking a question like, is there any consolation in Christ? The idea is this, no, there, there absolutely is consolation in Christ. There's no question about it. Since the idea is this, since there is consolation in Christ, but he's asking in a question for him to kind of draw them in. If there be any consolation in Christ, 
Is there, is there, has, has the Lord been an encouragement to you? Oh yeah. Even in your hard times, he's been a source of encouragement to you. If there's any consolation in Christ, if there's any, and then he goes on, if there's any comfort of love, comfort of love. Um, it's almost the same idea, comfort, encouragement, help, help, one coming alongside. In fact, it may be he has the son in mind in the first part, obviously with Christ. Maybe the father and the father's love in mind in the second part. And then the spirit, obviously, if there's any fellowship of the spirit, do you see that? So you have the work of the triune God, the Trinity involved in our Christian lives. Is there encouragement in Christ? Have you been comforted by the Father's love? I'm asking you that tonight. Have you been encouraged and comforted by the Father's love for you? Uh, have you had fellowship that the Spirit of God produces, that you, you get to have communion, fellowship with God and through the Holy Spirit of God and fellowshipping with other believers, if there's any fellowship in, in Christ. And then he bows in mercies. Now that's, that's a, a little bit weird for us, but the word bows there, we would, we would say, uh, is there any, any heart here or, or any affection? It's the inner being. And then mercies would be the compassion, the pity that shows. So there's, there's the inward root and the outward fruit. So is there, is there any, is there any real affection that you have for one another and, and thus that you've shown pity or compassion for one another, then fulfill my joy. In other words, he's saying this, treat each other the way that God has treated you. God's been encouraging to you. God's been loving towards you. God has fellowship with you. God is tender towards you. God is merciful towards you. So now you be encouraged and you be comforting. You fellowship, you show affection and you show pity and compassion to others that are around you in the church family. I'm telling you, I tell you what won't happen because that's our source. I mean, every one of us have that source. It's in Christ. And what, what, what is the way it's designed is this. That, that as I get from Christ, that encouragement and that love and that fellowship and that affection and that mercy and compassion, all those things, then I can come and I can share that with Brother Brett. And I can, I can share that with Brother Landy. And we, we can have that fellowship one with another because I'm receiving from God what I'm supposed to have between one another. Amen. Okay. And watch this. This will never run out. Amen. This will never run out. Now, when you're shopping online and you get real excited about something that you want to buy, and then you look down and you see this out of stock. What's that about? Surely you can't be out of stock of that. There's got to be enough of that to go around, right? But even right now, there's not enough chicken wings to take care of. Wing stop. You realize there's a crisis in America that's going on that we don't have enough wings. I mean, really, that's a, that's a big deal. What are we going to do? Hey, you know, I mean, the things of this world, they run out. But what will not run out is Jesus' love Amen. and his compassion and his encouragement and the source. He's saying, if you have that as your source, then you can show love one to another. Amen. Fulfill you my joy. Um, he wanted to see them get along within the church. Obviously, every parent wants to see their children get along. Isn't that a blessing, parents, when your kids are in the back seat of the car and they're like talking at a nice level and they're not fighting over anything? We drove all the way from 
from uh, here to Indiana, you know, for camp, Angie and I and, and Trenton. And you know, Trenton never one time got into any kind of a skirmish in the back. Because it was just him. He did great. The brothers and sisters, they can kind of get at one another. Isn't that right? Man, I, I'm not going to give any personal testimonies here tonight about me and my brother, but I mean, there's been some times, you know what I mean? Okay, but, but isn't it a joy when your kids get along? Well, don't you know it's a, it's a wonderful delight and joy when God's children get along Amen. with God's children and, and work together within a church, not just to accomplish goals, but just because we love one another? Fulfill you my joy that you be, he says here, look at it in verse, uh, verse number two. Fulfill you my joy that you be what? Like-minded. That, that doesn't mean, listen, that doesn't mean uniformity. That doesn't mean that we all are like robots or cookie cutters. You know, we're out of a cookie cutter. We're all are stamped. Okay. No, I mean, the, the idea is this. We understand what's most important and we're working towards that goal. We're like-minded. We're moving in the same direction. It doesn't mean that we all have the same likes because you may like the color red and I like the color blue. You may like Mexican food and I may like Chinese. I mean, it, that doesn't, that's not the things that he's talking about. Not like like-minded in every area. There's people here that like OU and there's people here that don't. <laughs> Man, I'm about to split the church right here, huh? There's some here that, anyways, I'm not going to go any further in that. But that's not what he's talking about. He's not saying, well, everybody's got to be exactly the same. No, you can be different and yet still have the same goals, the same values and what's really important. Be like-minded. Don't, don't let the color of the carpet come between you and the church. Amen. Or don't let, you know, some little petty things begin to fester and, well, they didn't like my idea or I didn't get that part or I didn't get to do that or I didn't get that class. I, no, wait a minute. Don't, don't let things like that begin to irritate you and get upset, make you upset with one another because people come in these doors, they need to see that this church loves one another. They're like-minded. They're going together. They're working together. They're serving together. They're running buses. They're building classes. They're seeing souls saved. They're really caring about people because they, evidently, I mean, it just keeps going there because they've been doing this a long time. Evidently, there's like an endless supply from here. And that's exactly right. It'll never run out. As long as we're going to the right source, it'll never, ever, ever run out. Right? Like-minded, same love. Same love. Notice again, he's not saying that you love the same things, but he said you have the same love. What love? I believe it's God's love. That we all have the same love. Same kind of love for one another. The, the love that, that um, I ought to have for you and the love you have for me and vice versa and for all of us here, it ought to be the same love. It ought not be like this. Well, you know, I love this family here a little bit more and I love this family a little bit less. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's the same love because God loves everybody equally. Amen. Now, I, I know that we hit this last time we were together in Philippians, but it's worth hitting again that I realize we're going to have our friends and you're going to hang around and talk to people. But, but let, me, let me encourage you this. Go out of your way to talk to somebody you've never talked to before and, and just include everybody. And I told the young people at camp last week, listen, you can be a friend to everybody. You may not be able to be a friend with everybody because they might get you in trouble in some areas. Are you listening to me? But you ought to be a friend to everybody, regardless of how cool they look or how uncool they look. You've got to be nice to the uncool people. <laughs> right? I mean, status ought not to determine our love. It's the same love. 
It's the same love, regardless of how much money somebody has when they come in here, regardless of what, what background they have or what job they have or don't have or what race they are, or what ethnicity that they are. Hey, none of, that, none of that really matters in Christ. In fact, I, I read an illustration by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones that during the time of World War II, that when the bombing was taking place, as Germany was bombing England, that as they were getting into bunkers and, and into these, these uh, caverns and places, you know, deep down, that you had people of high class with people of lower class. But at that point, in the midst of the crisis, it did not matter. They were all in there together. And I'm telling you, friends, listen, we're in a crisis called fallenness of humanity, and we're in this together. And there's not like there's these elite Christians and then there's these lower Christians. No, here it is. There are people who are saved and in Christ. And we're all the same. We're all made of the same stuff. We all need the same mercy and compassion and love. And, and Paul says, listen, you need to have the same love one towards another. Now, he's about to get specific. And he's about to say to these two ladies, hey, y'all straighten up. Now, he didn't say, hey, y'all. But he's saying to them, you two ladies need to get along. Okay. All right. So let's move ahead here. Be of one accord. One accord means this, like one soul. I mean, it's, it's your... your unified to the point where, where you're connected to one another. Let me ask you this. Do we have that here at Southwest Baptist Church? I believe we do in many, many regards. But let me ask you this as a quick follow-up. Have we arrived? You know, as I studied this passage, I went home thinking, we've got some work to do. We've got some work to do. We've got some work to do. Um... I mean, if there's any kind of strife within our church, we've, we've got some work to do. Or even maybe there's not the presence of strife. I don't know of any kind of big turmoil that's going on. But what if there's just not that cohesiveness all throughout the whole church body? Can we be satisfied if, you know, um, you don't really know those people over here? and Y'all don't know those people over here? East Siders and West Siders, right? It's like this big chasm. No, I realize, I mean, there's friends over here, but you get what I'm saying? Um, I don't think we've, let, we've reached the level of unity that God wants us to have. And that's why we need to keep working at this. And you say, well, I would get along with them a lot better if they were a better Christian. <laughs> what is that saying about you, right? Okay, same love, one accord, one mind. He's stacking those to try to make the point. Okay, so I'm asking you tonight, at Southwest, are we like-minded? Do we have the same love? Are we in one accord? Are we in one mind? I, I'm, just, I'm just asking just for all of us to evaluate, are we? Well, here's what would be the problem. Here's what keeps you from experiencing unity. You ready? Verse three, strife and vainglory. What does that mean, strife? Strife is where you're jockeying for position. You know, um, thinking you're more important. Now, you may not come right out and say that, but sometimes... Let's just be honest here tonight. Sometimes our actions say that. Walk past somebody, didn't even hardly look at them. Why? Because I'm more important than you. 
No, what we need to do is come up to them and shake their hand. And I'm glad to see you here today. I kind of caught you off guard, didn't I? You weren't expecting that. Mr. House, Dr. House, I'm Dr. House, Brother House. We got two house. We got two houses here. Brother House, man, I'm glad to see you. Hey, and be genuine about it, right? Not just blow past them. I realize, I mean, at least, at least, hey, right? Do you go down or up? What do you do? Hello. I mean, just a friendly nod at least, you know. Not walk past somebody's leg. Oh, no, definitely not that. But not even, not even a response where it's just dead. No, I mean, we, we need to be friendly with one another. Yeah, friendly with one another. And I know I'm preaching to a friendly church, but this is the way a friendly church stays a friendly church and maybe goes to another level. Amen? Yeah. Let's not pat ourselves on the back and say, well, we are a friendly church. Maybe we don't need a pat on the back. Strife and vainglory, empty glory, ambition. Um, amb vainglory means that you, uh, you think you deserve glory, but you're just delusional. You don't really deserve glory. No, hey, none of us. None of us deserve glory. None of us deserve a certain position. None of us deserve glory. All of us deserve to be cast away from God forever because of our sin. But thank God Jesus loved us unconditionally and died for us. And we understood that and believed that. And He saved us and placed us in a church family. So we ought not get this competitive spirit. Now, I, I know, hey, listen, we're competitive, right? And I thought about it today. Because I believe we can compete without being competitive, right? Some of you play spoons. That's one of the most dangerous games you can play. You know, you got so many spoons out there, you got to be, you know, grab one and there's minus one. I mean, fingernails and I mean, people get hurt. Play How many played spoons? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. So, I mean, my wife gets really competitive. I guess I'm preaching about her. She's not here, right? This is showing the same love one for another. Man, I'm telling you, she's, she is competitive. I mean, I'm competitive. We're all competitive. But let me, let me give you this test. Whose glory are you striving for? Whose position are you striving for? Let me run this by you. I thought about this one. Maybe you ought to take the awkward test. What's the awkward test? Well, if you're out there on the ball field and you lose your temper, you're bound to make things awkward in a hurry. Am I right about that? Yeah. Awkward in a hurry. Well, if you're making things awkward because you're arguing that you were safe when you were really out, <laughs> or from your perspective, you were safe. You got it? One of the hardest calls I ever made at camp was I had to call Tyler out at third. It was a very, you remember that, Brother Seth? That was a <laughs> he does too. <laughs> but he was out. I think <laughs> that is so tough. It was, I'm telling you, but I, I, I'm not going to name any names. In fact, I don't think anybody here would even know the individual, but at a camp many, 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 many years ago, I saw a preacher lose it about a call at first base. And I thought, Oh, pastor, pastor, you just put a bad taste in all these people's mouth about what a pastor is because 
a pastor to lose it and, and get out there like, like a, a, a major league baseball coach? You know, that ought not be. That's a, that's a shame. That's, an, that's awkward. So if it gets awkward on the ball field or it gets awkward across the board game, then you'd back up and say, wait a minute, what am I competing for here? Why is this so important to me? You say, well, that's a little thing. I understand that. But nonetheless, it's a way of life. And if we're not careful, we can get competitive within the church family and want the attention or the applause um, or on and on. And that's not really us looking for Christ's position as much as it is us looking for our position and our glory. He said, let nothing, zero, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But look at this. Here's the positive side of this. In lowliness of mind, that's humility. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other, other better than themselves. Let each esteem other better than themselves. In other words, he's basically saying this, put others first. Put others first. Her brother Jeff Hastings preached at Berean Baptist Church and he was preaching a similar passage in Romans 12. And he said, you know what it's like when you pull in the parking lot and, and you're, there's a spot open right there and you're headed towards that spot, but so is another family in the church and you're like, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. And then you just sit there for a while. But if it's at Walmart, it's like, mm -hmm. everybody's fighting for that spot, right? Free game at Walmart, right? But we got to act like a Christian at church, right? So he made a real good point about that. Um, or maybe you got the one sink. This is another illustration he gave. This is really good. You got one sink and you're newlyweds and it's time, you know, to brush your teeth and you're, and you're saying, no, you go. You go, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. After a few years of marriage, hey, watch out, move over, right? <laughs> we, Paul is saying, not strife and vainglory, but it's, here, you, you go ahead. You go first. You, you're more, I want to put you before me. I'm telling you, that's not natural. How do we get that kind of help? It's got to come from Christ. And then we can say, here, you go first. And then just one more verse. Look at it. Look not every man on his own things. He's not saying right there, you know, don't worry about mowing your yard. Don't worry about doing, <laughs> balancing your checkbook. Don't worry about doing your stuff. No, he, that's not what he's saying. Everybody's got to take care of things within life. But his point is this. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. It's, it's the same idea. Don't just be consumed with yourself. But think, how can I serve others? Well, this has application, doesn't it? it? Certainly applies, if I could, just a moment, applies within marriage. Um, spouses, how can you put your spouse first? What does that look like? Well, it may mean that you're tired and ready just to watch sports, but she wants to talk. What do you do? You go ahead and watch sports, right? <laughs> no, that's, that's putting yourself first. No, you set your tiredness aside to say a lot of things. You talk, you listen, okay? <laughs> it means that maybe, uh, you know, you, you, you do something with him that you're not really interested in. It's some kind of a car show or maybe a ball game, but you're going to go just to be with him. You're putting him first. 
Maybe you're so tired, you don't want to get up, but you're going to go ahead and get up and, and make a meal for him before he goes to, goes to work or whatever. That's putting him first. You, you see what I'm doing? Or, or maybe you're, you're going to go shopping with her. And I mean, that's the dreaded thing in your life, the most difficult thing in your life. And you, you're supposed to be there and enjoy it, but you, you know you don't. And, but there you are and putting others first. You get it? I don't know of anything that tests how selfish you are than when you have children. I'm not talking about the children being selfish. I'm talking about the parents being selfish. I read one preacher. He said, you know, I thought the idea thing here would be to this, do this, to have two kids and name them Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end, just have two. <laughs> and then he said, but then there was a third and then there was a fourth. And he said, you got to understand how I am. I like things orderly. I like my shirts, you know, pressed and clean. And I like my shoes, you know, shining and not scuffed. And I like milk in my glass on the table. And, and I like these things. But once I had kids, and I had scuffs on my shoes and spit up on my shirt and, and, and milk everywhere except in the glass. It was all on the table. <sighs> how do I put my kids first? Well, maybe it's reading Goodnight Moon for the... 100 millionth time, right? Or it's taking time to throw a ball or it's maybe this, it's uh, including them in on, um, on a project that if you did it by yourself, you had been done <laughs> an hour ago, but you're letting them have a hand on it. It's like really going slower, but you're putting them first because they've got to learn. They got to start somewhere. You can do this within the family but certainly within a church family. How did, what does this look like in a church family? Well, it means that you're willing to take your place maybe in the nursery, you know, along the way and signing up for nursery or working in the youth conference like we're talking about. That's putting others first. I'm so tired though when I come home on a Tuesday night. I just want to go home. I understand that. I think all God's children understand that. But here's an opportunity. We have an opportunity to serve and put others first. And here's a young life that could be touched. And all you're going to do is just be there with a smile and, and in, a, in a polo shirt or a t-shirt or something just smiling, being friendly and greeting or helping serve food or something like that is putting others first. Or, or maybe it's you're going to sign up to, or maybe just show up on a Saturday, just say, hey, I'll, I'll drive some bus workers around this week, just this one Saturday, and just, just kind of be a blessing to them. That's putting others first. You see what I'm doing? Think about others. Because honestly, we're so prone to think about ourselves. Well, let's reverse that. You're going to go meet her family. You walk up on the porch, there's a the mom and dad holding hands, smiling. Glad to see you. <laughs> you hope. <laughs> and they invite you in, you sit down and you have some good old fashioned sweet tea. And then they have a nice meal and there's love and there's harmony there. I, I guarantee you'll say something like this, man, this is good. This is good. I'd like to be a part of this family. I hope she says yes. I hope he says yes so that she could say yes. Right? You drop your kid off at college and, man, there's orderliness that's there and there's, there's genuineness that's there and there's friendliness and there's help from a professor. I remember when I, when I moved on the campus of Baptist Bible College way back in 1994, Matt Wheeler was our RA and he was sweating because, was, I mean, it was hot and there was no air conditioning in the dorms and he's just carrying all those boxes of mine. He's carrying my, my RA, my resident assistant, is being such a servant to help me in with all my stuff. That made an impression on me. Thought there's something real about this man. Now he wrote me up and I didn't like that, but I needed it. <laughs> See. You drop your kid off at that ball field, and man, there's a coach there that evidently cares about him and cares more about 
character than just about winning. And he's teaching and instructing. He's not yelling. I mean, he's firm in his leadership, but he's, he's also very kind and loving. And there's a camaraderie that's among the ball team. I guarantee you, you'll be glad that your young child is able to play on that team. And when somebody walks through these doors and they see there's love that's going on here and they're singing from the heart and they're listening and they're not watching their watch and they're not standing there with their hand on their hip thinking, when is this over? But they're saying things like, man, this is a great place here. There's only one answer for that. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Because without Him, we wouldn't have that. Let's stand together here tonight. I believe we've got some work to do. And I'm glad that God cares about us enough to show us what unity looks like. And even a picture of what it doesn't look like so we could avoid that. <clears throat> I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer here in just a moment. Some are coming for baptism tonight. If you have a spiritual need and you want to go ahead and come, you're welcome uh, to come as well. But... Um, I wonder tonight, just with every head bowed, and, and, and I'm not even going to get specific in answering, asking this, but I would just ask, how many of you say, Preacher, I needed that message here tonight from the Word of God. Would you just raise your hand to that? God knows why you're raising your hand. Yes. So I'd like to just lead us in a word of prayer and then invite you to come if you would like to come. If you want to pray with someone, there's people here that you could pray with. And just think about the unity um, within your family and within this church family. And... Um, and, and your effort in that. So, Father, I come to you and I pray that you'd help us here tonight. Lord, I love this church family. I thank you for Southwest Baptist Church. And it is a joy to see. And, God, I, I'm thankful. I know I'm not a Paul, but I'm thankful to see the love that is here. But I also know that we could improve. We've got room to grow for sure. And so, God, I pray you'd help us, Lord, to love one, one another and abound even more and more. And Lord, I pray for those that raise their hands here tonight. Just want to pray that you'd help them, whatever prompted them to raise their hand. I pray that you'd give them help and grace. And I know that there is consolation in Christ. There's comfort in love. There's the fellowship in the Spirit. And there's bowels and mercies, dear God, just like we read right here in your word. And it doesn't run out. I'm grateful for that. Pray you'd help us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.